Hello and welcome to History FC, where we explore the events that have shaped Australia's football history. In this episode, we look at the evolution of the W League through the eyes of Matilda's legend, Heather Garriock. The competition was formed in 2008, three years after Football Federation Australia had already established a new national men's league. In the years leading up to the start of the W League, Australia's top female players were fighting for basic rights. I remember going away and we wouldn't be able to get our, our underwear washed and um, that was one of the things we wanted to put in the in the CBA. And the other thing is, is we wanted the internet so we could contact our friends and family back home. So they're little things and they're little things that were really important to us. Um, but look, if we had what, what they've got now, even from a W League point of view, uh, from a performance um, point of view, then it, it would be amazing, especially some of the players some of the uh, fabulous players, not just of my era, but even before us. Um, I'm sure they're, they're looking at, at the Matildas now. And I look at the Matildas and I'm so proud that it's evolved so dramatically and these girls can be full-time professionals. Heather Garrioch was appointed Sydney FC's first ever captain. The Sky Blues were one of eight teams to compete in the competition's first season. By 2008, she had already amassed more than 100 caps for the Matildas. Garriock was paid just $4,000 in her first season. It was one of the most lucrative contracts in the league. A large majority of the players weren't paid to play. Instead, clubs paid for their expenses. Just to get the W League um, and to align with, with a major club like a Sydney FC or a Wanderers, which they're both clubs that I played for, um, was it was a moment of, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so proud that the men's men's clubs want to be part of the women's clubs. And whilst it's sad saying that now, that's exactly how I felt. Garriock was among a select group of players that was on a standardised Australian national team contract. But that wasn't the case for others. Many, including Garriock, were unable to solely focus on their football careers. Everyone was doing other jobs, including myself, who was... Back then, what I was, yeah, I would have had probably 100 caps for Australia, played all around Europe, US, whatever. Um, you still had to come back and earn money, absolutely, because um, whatever contract I would sign, um, or let's say someone like a Sarah Walsh would sign um, in the US, it was only for six months, so you had to come back and, and um, pay, your way, um, pay your way and, you know, pay either your mortgage, um, which very few players had a mortgage at the time. They'd, they'd be renting because... The reason why the CBA got up and running and they had standardised contracts was for the senior players to be able to go to a, a mortgage broker and be able to get a loan and say this is a, a quality contract. The first season of the W League presented several challenges for players. I remember going away and we, we were on the, on the long flight and then we'd arrive and then, then we'd have to play the match and then that night we'd won and we, we, we'd come back to the airport. We're exhausted. We've just played a match. We had to get on the red eye. And, um, yeah, we were celebrating at the airport. It was fantastic. I, th I think we, um, we whipped them. It was about five, I think. Um, so it was a great start to the season. Um, it was one of the very first few games. Um, but, yeah, just having a couple of drinks after the game, which was great. But then getting on that red-eye flight for another six hours back to Sydney, um, I, we, we all slept for days because we were absolutely exhausted. It was like we just... We'd just flown from, from Europe to Australia. So, yeah, it was, it was more about you just had to do it. You just had to put your body through that. You had to do it from a nutrition point of view. 
Um, I remember the manager, um, you know, going to 7-Eleven and, and buying us all sandwiches and I was mortified. Um, the rest of the girls just ate them. But <laughs> just little stories like that, that, that that you sort of laugh at, but you just think, wow, they, you'd never get away with that now. There's no chance. Pitches were also not up to official FFA standards. There was no standards pretty much. Um, if I look at it, uh, the hoops that we need to go through um, from a club point of view, which I've, I've seen the last couple of years, um, to FFA, there, there was very, very little standards. And um, for the players, uh, like I said at the start, it's, there was no real objections um, because the players didn't know any better, um, which there was no entitlement whatsoever. So, yeah, look, it was, um, it was great fun. But in saying that, if I look back on it now, I think um, how much better could we have been if we'd been given the right tools to be able to perform at our best. Um, but in saying that, I, I really think that, um, you know, there's some players that, that missed out on being, um, whether national team players or world-class players, given that the lack of, the lack of support. Um, but hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? But standards across the W League would begin to improve over the coming years. The Matildas 2010 Asian Cup triumph, helping to usher in a new era for women's football in Australia. Winning the Asian Cup in 2010 was the turning point and um, people started to take notice because, um, look, it, it was the first silverware um, at Football Australia through Asia that both men's or women's team had won. And they had to take notice. They had to take notice that, that we did so well. So there was a major change. And then the, the following year um, was a knock-on effect. Um, we then, then had the 2011 um, World Cup in Germany. Um, so, yeah, that, that's when our, our bargaining um, become stronger and we, we started to see um, contracts and, and um, our pay increased um, dramatically from, you know, daily rates to to uh, full standardised contracts and, and we started to get to get uh, treated more like professionals. And I would say after that 2010 um, Asian Cup, that's when it was really um, the, the seriousness started for, for women's football. A new collective bargaining agreement in 2011 saw an increase in wages for Matilda's players, but that didn't apply to non-national team players in the W League. We hadn't achieved anything. And yeah, we'd achieved being Asian Cup champions. And maybe this is narrow, narrow-minded and maybe this is just because I've been um, trained into my thought process of all the outsiders saying, well, you need, to be, you need to be grateful that we've got a W League team because a W League team costs, I think it costs these days, maybe about half a million bucks, to be honest. Um, so be happy we're funding the league. So pay appointments were the absolute last thing that they would think of. Um, and is that wrong? Absolutely, it's wrong. Um, so, but that's just how it was. So was there a question? Yeah, I, I demanded more money, but if, there's got, if they've got no money, they've got no money. So I think in the end, my last game for W League was around 2013 or 14. I think I was on about $9,000. That's the most I, I got paid. So um, nine or $10,000 in the end. So, and that was only five years ago. This is History FC. I'm speaking to Matilda's legend Heather Garriock about the evolution of Australia's National Women's Football League. In 2015, a new club joined the W League. Melbourne City invested heavily in building a formidable team for its debut season. 
City won all 12 of its regular season games before going on to defeat Sydney FC 4-1 in the grand final. Massive game changer. For them to, to come in and want to invest in women's football, um, that's, that's, uh, that's where I, I really feel showed, showed a massive amount of hope. Um, they certainly set the benchmark. And then others had to follow and others had to, other CEOs looked at them and thought, you know what, if we need to keep up with the Joneses and the year they come in, um, it was just, it was really refreshing to see that a club understood investing in women's football and the accolades you get and um, the return you get. And sometimes it's not financial return. Sometimes it's marketing return. Sometimes it's, it's, it's return on um, getting more mums and, and young, young little girls to the Melbourne city um, men's A league game. So I just think it was, it was just massive um, and I'm still very grateful that, that they did that um, because we all had to follow. Change was looming across women's football in 2015. Following a successful World Cup campaign, the Matildas started negotiations for a new CBA. Feeling disrespected by the FFA, the team boycotted a tour of the United States. In November of 2015, a new pay deal was struck with the minimum salary for a contracted Matildas player increasing to $30,000. But the pay dispute, which dragged on for many months, divided opinion. To see the players boycotting um, was really disheartening. And mm. I was extremely disappointed to see the players do that. I don't think they needed to do that. Um, and it showed a lack of leadership within the group of the Matildas. So some people would say, oh, you know, well, we got what we wanted. Well, you know what? I don't think I don't think um, there's a way in which to do things, and I just don't think that what they did was the right thing. And I'm sure as they mature and they look back on their careers um, when they do retire, I think it put not only the the federation in a difficult position, it then drove a, an entitlement within the the playing group, and then the knock on effect to to that was um, you know getting rid of coaches and being able to basically call the shots. And um, yeah, I think PFA play, play a, a really key role in the players and standing up for the players. But I think, I think that was, um, you know, really disheartening to see that given that the senior players before them, um, including myself and, and whatnot, had put so much hard work and effort into even getting contracts. Um, you know, you don't boycott and not want to play for your national team. Um, that's just that's just the wrong thing to do. So um, that's my opinion, though. And the reason why I've got that opinion is because I know the blood, sweat and tears that um, we put in um, out of our training time um, to, to be a part of the PFA and be a part of the players group to want to get that Matilda's um, brand to that next level. And we're here now, um, but that 2015 boycott, uh, hugely disappointing. I, I, I Whenever I think about it, it infuriates me. While the Matildas had negotiated a new CBA, the W League still didn't have any minimum wage standards. But on the eve of the competition's 10th season in 2017, a new deal was agreed. That would see each player paid a minimum salary of $10,000. The salary cap was also doubled to $300,000. It was the same year in which Heather Garriock was appointed coach of Canberra United. All clubs had to pay players that, which is great because that's standardised across the board, which then um, pretty much it was 
instead of it being open slather with your Melbourne cities, well, they, they'd just come in a couple of years ago, four years ago. Um, but Sydney FC couldn't just pay their players as much as they felt like. Everybody had the same amount. So it was an even playing, playing field in terms of money. And if you want to invest as a club more money, like your Melbourne cities, then you'd, you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to um, use your own funds. So, um, yeah, that was a major change. And to have contracts, um, I think, was, was important. In 2019, a new CBA saw the minimum wage for W League players increase 33% to $16,000. The historic pay deal helped close the gender pay gap. The Matildas now receive the same benefits as their male counterparts. And with Australia about to learn if it will co-host the 2023 Women's World Cup with New Zealand, the evolution of women's football in Australia is only set to continue. I'd never thought I'd ever say that um, the Matildas are, are certain cont certain contenders for for um, the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, you know, can win a World Cup medal. Um, you know, we're sitting here days away from from the World Cup bid. Um, that just gives me butterflies within themselves and that would just be an absolute dream come true. Um, but I think if we get the infrastructure in Australia right, then our national team's just going to flourish. So I just think we've come so far, but the reason why I want the World Cup bid so bad and I want the World Cup to be here in Australia is we get to showcase the biggest and best sporting event in the world. And for us to have that here in Australia and New Zealand, um, it would just be absolutely amazing for all the young boys and girls, um, for, you know, everybody involved in football uh, in the world to see our beautiful countries. Um, it would just be amazing. And it would be all the hard, hard work that all the past Matildas um, back in the day had put in and even, even of my era. And for the players now, the opportunity they've got. And um, I'd love them to take this opportunity and um, be on that podium. The W League will undergo another change next season when it moves to the winter months along with the W League. This is History FC. I'm Adrian Archuli. Thanks for joining us.